Welcome to Season 2 of Best in SaaS, where we talk through the patterns and playbooks in the revenue sprint to $20 million and beyond with the industry's most accomplished executives, entrepreneurs, and investors. Despite the world melting around us, we survive Season 1 with only a few scratches and a couple of bathroom incidents from our resident Best in SaaS puppy mascot, Stuart. Wash your hands and don your favorite face mask because here comes Season 2. Howdy, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. I am thrilled, per usual, for you to listen in on this conversation. But before we get into it, if you're a regular listener and you enjoy the discussions, do me a favor and let us know by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other folks find the show and it helps Apple realize they should feature us on New and Noteworthy. So that would be awesome. With that, Enough of my blabbing. Let's get on to the episode. All right. Here we go. Uh, very excited. We have Ed- Adam Tassan on the show today. Adam, you are the CRO at Chargebee, and we are going to talk all about RevOps today. And I'm amped. Welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me. I'm excited to, uh, to be here and looking forward to the conversation. So, I mean, let's just dive straight in. When you joined, you joined Charge B in February. Correct. Yeah. It was February this year, just before, um, you know, the, the bottom fell out of the world. So, well, yeah, which is a very interesting time to be joining a company, uh, first off. But then there was no RevOps org, right? When you or practice, there was no RevOps when you joined the business. Is that true? Yeah, that, that's right. And I think that was one of the, one of the, um, drivers behind the role. Of getting a CRO in place, they were hitting a, a certain tipping point of scale in, in the business. So um, we had a customer success function, sales function, partnerships function, as well as marketing, and they were all kind of operating independently. And I think the the drive behind bringing the role in was to start, you know, unifying some of those those revenue functions and streams in the business. So that's interesting. What do you think? It was, or maybe you know very specifically, that was the catalyst for, hey, we really need to formalize this. We need to bring in uh, some structure and practice around RevOps. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's actually interesting because it started with the, the revenue organization and, and, and they were pretty flexible when I, when I came on board. They said, look, we want to build a revenue organization, um, come up with a, uh, an org structure of how you think it should should work. And, and one of the things that they were doing really well, Chargebee, was they, um, each of the functions had, um, really rich, um, operational talent and, and, and a handle on their data, but it was siloed. So sales had done a great job in building the sales ops piece and, you know, really getting their data piece together. Customer success had done the same. They had great talent on, on their customer success ops and then partnerships. But the problem is they were all siloed and that kind of leads to, you know, misalignment, you know, because really what the, the purpose of starting to drive in either a revenue organization or quite frankly, the revenue ops piece is one, the scale and synchronization of the revenue functions, but also you got to start mapping it to the customer journey as well in that experience. And I think that was the missing piece that we were trying to stitch together and, and build. So, I mean, how did you, the coin, the, the, the phrase RevOps, right? It's, I mean, it's been around for a little while, but it's still pretty, you know, like organizations that are prioritizing RevOps as a function are pretty bleeding edge and very much like at the, at the front of the game. 
what, like, how was your journey? How did you evolve into thinking about RevOps and then deciding that that was something that you wanted to push for organizations? Or is it more so that you've always been doing this and now there's just a term for it? Like, how do you think about that? It's a good, it's a good question. I, so I, you know, earlier on in my career, I, I spent uh, some time at the active network where, where we really scaled. We went from 300 people to 3,500 people. And, you know, I got to witness the, the lack of having an operations function, whether it be RevOps, sales ops, we were pretty early on. This is early 2000s, kind of mid 2000s. And uh, the lack of that was strikingly clear in the challenges that we had. And so, you know, post that, as I started getting into earlier stage startups, I'd always um, run customer success, sales, um, you know, account management, marketing. And, and so I'd naturally just have that on a smaller scale. Um, so the, as I got into building out the revenue organization structure and charge group, um, it was natural to think, okay, we've got all these operations and there's so much data and there's so many systems nowadays that we needed to consolidate the RevOps to have any chance of the revenue organization actually being able to succeed. Fascinating. And do you think that there are pieces of this that are misunderstood when, when folks say the word RevOps, right? Like it's, it almost seems to me a little loaded in the same way that like a, a chief revenue officer can mean different things to different mm -hmm. organizations. Yeah, I, and I think it can take on different flavors because I, I think you can have a revenue ops function supporting uh, an independent sales organization, customer success organization, and uh, you know partnerships organization or whatever whatever other uh, functions you have wherever you're you know, and then you know and marketing as well because you know as part of our revenue ops, our marketing is actually separate. So there's a marketing ops department within uh, Chargebee that supports the marketing department and the marketing department and that subsequent ops team does not roll into the, the CRO office. And that, and so there, that's just a different flavor, right? To your point. And a lot of, when you do a lot of the readings on the rev ops, it's to align sales and marketing predominantly. And then customer success is like the, you know, the third leg of the stool that they're trying to bring in. But I think the impotence was around the sales and marketing side. So do you have at this point, like a methodology for how you begin to approach that? I mean, it's a massive challenge in an organization that's grow. You're around 300 people now. Is that right? And, and what's, can you give us a sense of where you think you'll be in a year, two years? Yeah. So we're five, about 500 people now and probably the end of 21 will double. We'll probably be around a thousand. Wow. Okay. So, you, so you're adding tons of seats really quickly. Um, where do you start with that challenge? Or right? where did you start in February? Yeah, so great, great question. I, I, you know, part of that was, you know, where we started in February was what is the what do the building blocks look like from an organizational structure to scale? And so while we didn't have marketing, um, there was, you know, we did have some challenges with alignment of marketing, but they I think the the benefit that we had, as I, I think I mentioned earlier, was they had some pretty robust operations on both the sales side and the marketing side and the systems that they had built, they'd spent a bunch of time on. It was just misalignment from an operational perspective. So we're quite fortunate from that side. And so bringing the org together first was, um, you know, what's the org structure that's going to scale? And then we looked, the, you know, the second piece of the puzzle was if we have all of these ops teams and we're going to combine all these functions, we need to combine the ops teams in order to really give us a chance to, to scale. So we start, I started with the kind of revenue organization as a whole. And then the second look was at the ops functions that were in these, um, each department and decided that it was, you know, in order to give us a real chance to scale, 
it was uh, we were going to need to centralize the RevOps. I mean, we, you know, today use 40 different applications just between marketing and sales. I mean, if you if you look across all the tools that we use as just a 500 person business, there's probably 100 plus, you know, applications and tools that we use, which is ridiculous when you start thinking about the number of tools that an org uses. And it's kind of, we're, we're a SaaS company and, you know, SaaS has eaten the world, but part of that, you know, part of that kind of breakdown of, uh, you know, of ability of, of SaaS applications and, and being broke down into point solutions means they're, you know, proliferating organizations like ours as well. One of the biggest, we started, I brought the head of RevOps on in June or July. And so he's just formulated the team, got the team structure in place. And, you know, his next, uh, his next mission is really to, to do a, a deep, deep dive evaluation on the tech stack. Hopefully that means adding more, more, more partners, <laughs> not taking them away. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, I think there's just, it's, it's not a, I don't know if you take partners away. There's just some duplication, like some, you know, we, we do so much demand gen, you know, the business, uh, you know, has been built to date on this, uh, on a whole inbound sales motion, which means you need massive demand gen. And in order to do that, the, you know, the data sets that you need to, to market against are, so one thing like Zoom Info is just not going to be enough. You need multiple different sources to be able to do it. So hear that, Henry, you're not enough. <laughs> <laughs> you're a lot. You're yeah, a yeah. lot. <laughs> Try harder. No, I love, I love how meta, uh, you know, like, these big, all these big SaaS companies, we all need all these tools so that we support all the other SaaS companies. It's just layers and layers and layers of, right. uh, right. You know. Yeah. And that, and that's when you think about like, and you know, for the, for the RevOps side, when, you know, when we, when I got here and I started looking at, okay, so we're going to build the, the revenue organization. We, had, we were building out in silos and that was not only kind of operationally, but tools as well. So like each of the departments was building out their own tools. So, you get that duplication of tools, but more importantly, you get a, you know, you lose that kind of single view of the customer because, you know, one, one department customer success is using churn zero or game site or another tool like that, which is great for customer success. And then you've got a CRM, whether it be Salesforce, fresh sales or something on the other side. And, and so all of a sudden you can see if you continue, if we continue building like that, we'd have no hope um, at all of, of ever, you know, assimilating our data into getting a single view and going back to the top, it's really matching that, that the customer doesn't care. You know, there's one organization as far as, uh, as they see. And so you need to match to that journey and, and be able to report data along that, those journey lines as well. So I, I always like to ask, you know, it's when you're listening to someone, a leader like yourself talk about the things that have gone right. And, and a lot of things have gone right for you to get to where you are today and to continue building on this, that success what are some of the stumblings that you've had that ultimately have been informative in, in getting you to where you are today? And we could take that, you know, historically, or if you even wanted to think through like some of the things when you were ramping at Chargebee where you thought, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to be able to run my, you know, the play I've run a billion times before. It's going to be great. And then it was like, oh, something didn't go as planned and you had to work around it. What, what were some of those lessons? Yeah, I, uh, there, there's a lot of them. A lot of them. A lot of things have not gone according to plan. We've got to change direction. You know, I think the um, one of the things that was so we built the business on an inbound sales motion. We're actually 
the one of the most exciting opportunities when I was coming into the business was we wanted to introduce the outbound sales motion. And I think I was naive probably it's close to the right word on how easy it would be to plug in to those processes and systems. It goes back to what we were talking about, you know, about lead sources and, and data. Um, we've it's taken us longer. So that's actually taken us probably a quarter longer than I was hoping to that really we wanted to build on top of it because it's such an amazing machine that's kind of doing this demand gen leads come into the business. We have a real dialed in process where we do qualification gets into the sales funnel. And all this is done with sales and marketing being two separate entities because their operations are, you know, are so robust. They've managed to, you know, stitch together really good infrastructure. So I think that was one, I, I thought it was going to be easier to introduce a new sales motion on top of that and leverage those systems and just introduce one or two things that's taken a, a lot longer. Um, you know, quite frankly, at, at the very beginning, um, as amazingly well as Chargebee's done, there was, while the systems and flows were were pretty tight, there was still operationally some misalignment between between sales and marketing, which is crazy when you think about how interdependent they are. If you're running a whole business built on inbound, you would think that you know those uh, those teams are going to be joined at the hip, but you know. As, as much as the systems and processes were, the people necessarily weren't. And I think that kind of speaks to that, you know, the alignment of, you know, it's got to be people, systems and processes as well. And, and some people forget the people element, which is probably the hardest piece of the puzzle to get alignment on, right? Do you, do you think that there inherently will always be tension between sales and marketing orgs? And, and if so, do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? Yeah, great, great question. Um, so I think it's a good thing. Um, and I think there always will be tension between the two. And I, I think there's, there's healthy tension where, you know, there's, if you've got a, as long as you've got a good um, aligned relationship between the departments where you agree on what success looks like, what metrics we're working towards, then I think the healthy tension comes in where you've agreed that here's what we're shooting for. And if we're not there, then the other person can hold that person accountable. I think where it turns, um, where it goes unhealthy is where there's not even alignment on what success looks like and the metrics that we're all driving towards, because then you just get into a finger pointing game and uh, you know, you're not working, uh, rowing in the same direction, so to speak. So, okay. So here's another one that I, I love debating with other revenue leaders which is, you know, we love to measure things. We have all these tools to get really in depth and create our models and, you know, choose how we're going to attribute things and, and all that. Where do you fall on the spectrum of you know, at what point things become analysis paralysis or overanalyzing versus just execution? How much into the weeds do you like to go with your models and, and tooling on that front? Yeah, good, good question. At the beginning, so when you know I, I started this journey, and uh, you know the the world turned upside down pretty quick. We were, you know, we created you know seventeen scenario models because nobody nobody knew anything. But and I think in in those particular circumstances when there is that much uncertainty, I, I think creating those scenario, you know, scenario based things, you have to you know go pretty broad. But I, I think one of the things that um, we're big fans of uh, is experimenting, like do the analysis, come up with your hypothesis and then test it and then, you know, and then iterate. And, and I think we, we talk about that internally a lot. 
um, in how we do things and, and also with our customers, like the way we've tried to design the whole tool set of Chargebee is to allow people to, you know, test and iterate with pricing plans, packages, and, you know, and be able to move pretty quickly and, and adapt to the, you know, external surroundings because things move fast and things are moving lightning fast. So you, you know, you're never going to have it hundred percent correct. And, you know, by the time you finished your analysis, if you take too long, it's changed anyway. So you're, you're moving super fast. You're, you're about to grow tri- triple, doubled. I mean, you're, you're on the path. Uh, how do you keep your head clear and focused? Like, what do you do outside of, outside of sitting in front of a Zoom screen to ensure that you're at your, in your best place as an operator and a leader? Yeah, good, good question. You know, it's interesting, especially coming into, because Chargebee is global. So my whole kind of schedule has gone, gone upside down versus what I was doing before at, uh, at my previous role. In my previous role, I used to start my day going to, uh, you know, a CrossFit or I'd go for a run. And then, so I'd start my day with kind of that clear mentality with, with Chargebee because we started, like I started about 5.36 in the morning. I just, I can't do that ahead of time, but I get this lull in the afternoon. So actually, uh, between 11 and one, I actually get out and go, go for a run, do a, do CrossFit. And then, uh, on the weekend, if I can get out on, uh, on the golf course and just, uh, go for a, a leisurely four hour walk, that's pretty relaxing. You're not all about the, the 3am CrossFit. <laughs> <laughs> There's not even classes at 3am and not that they're open anymore given the, the pandemic, but, uh, you know, I was going to Orange Theory and, you know, I think their first class was five. So it wouldn't even be feasible to get there. Yeah. No way. Um, and then last question, as we, as we kind of wind things down, you know, you, to, to many folks, you're at the absolute pinnacle. I'm sure you have big plans for yourself to continue to grow and push yourself. But who are some of the folks who have been there for you along your journey thus far, either as mentors or even peers who you really respect and, and have pushed you? Yeah, so, so many, uh, along the whole journey. I mean, right back to my first, uh, my first job in sales at a university. There was, uh, the CEO of the company that, um, that I was working for, Ralph Turfus. Um, we, we were doing parks and recreation management software and, you know, he actually, uh, we spun off a company within a company and he actually took the lead. And so I got to work quite closely with him and it was just, uh, a, uh, a, lesson in execution was some <laughs> it was uh it was pretty phenomenal about time management and and focus so you know that was alex barnettson was another one that was uh was the president of that company at the time and then you know as i've gone through the you know the journey um one of uh one of my close colleagues actually that i hired here at charge b josie donnelly who's vp of sales for north america i learned a ton just from uh you know people management from her when we were working together at active uh, Ron Krishnan, uh, who was a, a GM at, uh, at Active at the time, and, and Dave Alberga, you know, um, Belmonte and, and Matt Lander, the guys that were heading up Active, learned a ton from just how to build an organization from 300 people to 3,500 people. We IPO'd, we got taken off the market by Vista. So that was that whole journey was, was incredible in watching a, an organization grow up and evolve like that. So, uh, yeah, I, there's probably dozens of more people I'm, I'm sure i forgot to mention full cycle that that's the full cycle <laughs> <laughs> it was literally from uh carrying a bag all the way through it was it was an amazing journey and you you know i don't think you ever uh 
you know, I, it was my first kind of real job, so to speak, in air quotes, uh, at a university. And we figured I'll spend a couple of years selling the software and then move on. And, you know, when an organization's moving at that clip and changing that fast, you get a new job every 18 to 24 months. It was pretty, it was pretty incredible. Yeah, 15 years fly by. Keeps it fresh, though. Yeah, it does. Well, Adam, looks like there's another journey just starting with Chargebee because that kind of trajectory seems to be right in front of us. I'm really excited to follow along for that journey. That's uh, looks like you're up to some great stuff. So thank you so much for joining us on the show. Cheers. It was a pleasure.